This is the show with Cannon Brown. 99.8% of the people listening to the podcast are agriculturalists and they know and they're probably handling their animals the most humanely way possible, but it's it's our livelihoods that are at stake and we want to make sure we're doing the best job possible that we can. Yeah. And not only, you know, not only for the animals, but then for our product as well. That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? What is going on, everybody? You are tuned in to the show with Cannon Brown. I'm your host. You guessed it, Cannon Brown. Wow, what a coincidence that the host name is the name of the podcast. What? Awful joke. I'm sorry. It was a dad joke. Okay, another beautiful week here in uh, Earth. <laughs> the world's on fire. Um, does anybody have a song come to mind when you say that? The world's on fire. How about yours? Hey, now you're okay. I'm scatterbrained today, guys. I've got a buddy of mine on today, Merritt O'Connor, this week. Um, went to Casper College with him. He's one of my first friends at Casper College. He even took me home the first Thanksgiving because I didn't have anywhere to go. I'm from Arizona. I went to school in Wyoming. I, I, I didn't really want to buy a plane ticket back for three days. So Merritt was one of the first people to offer up his home and, and his family for Thanksgiving. He's always been a really good friend, best friend to me. Um, his wife, Maggie, is awesome. His daughter, Nora, is incredible. He's, uh, Merritt's, got a, Merritt's got a story, and, and you guys know why I bring people on here. I, I bring people on here to tell their life story, to tell what experiences and what hardships maybe or, or good things that happened to you that made you who you are today. And Merritt is, is one of these guys that, I mean, he's, he's lived a life. He's lived a life, and, and I think uh, I, I love this guy. I mean, he's a, he's a great dude. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He works for Smithfield. Um, he's an animal handler at, at, the, at a Smithfield plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And yes, we will talk about the plant closures of, uh, of the uh, of the C word, the virus. Um, but we only talk, we don't talk about we don't talk about COVID. Okay, so don't worry, don't worry, little hearts. We don't talk about the virus that much. Okay, don't tune it off yet. Just listen. Okay, so. Yeah, Merritt's a great guy. He's from Paxton, Nebraska. Really, really small town in Nebraska. It's got about 600 people. It's pretty crazy. I, I, I never fathomed that I would know anybody that graduated with like 15 people or whatever. The whole I think the whole school had like 15 people. Let's be honest. Paxton's crazy. So you guys know I like to have my friends on here. Um, I just I think the conversations go really well. And it, it, they might not be the uh, the top names in the industry, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a story to tell. I think that these interviews were, um, I bring my friends in, I think they're some of the best interviews because we can, we can really get into the down and dirty, personal stuff, nitty gritty, um, and you'll see that when we get into Merritt's interview. So I hope you guys like it. Follow me on at the show pod. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, at the show pod, on Twitter, at the show underscore pod. Go follow um, Legendary Mindset with Jake P. Richardson. Go follow at Legendary Mindset. Uh, another great podcast, another great livestock podcast. Jake is doing a fantastic job over there. Go check that out. I'm talking a lot. I know it. That's enough of me talking. Let's do it. 
Mr. Merritt O'Connor. You're safer here than any place else. Now just lock yourself in and keep quiet. All right, dude. How's your day going, brother? Oh, it's Wednesday, my dude. Yeah, you just got off work. Yeah, I picked up some barbecue on the way home. That gas station barbecue? No, it's uh, it's a local catering company that um, sets up in the parking lot of the Super 8 here in Beersford. So it's pretty good, though. You bet. Yeah. I mean, uh, parking lot barbecue is sometimes the best barbecue, especially if it's out of like a, a taco truck or something. Yeah, it's out. It's out of their catering trailer. Uh, they have a. They actually have like a big, probably fourteen, fifteen foot uh, table that they pull pull behind their four wheeler that they bring too, so you can sit there and eat if you want. It's pretty My windy gosh. today, so I didn't though. But yeah, it was way good. Uh, they do it all summer every Wednesday night. So they've got it all set up. That's one thing that you'll never find probably in the winter time in South Dakota though, is like a taco truck in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, probably not, but you know, some, some things are probably better left not doing, especially barbecue in a parking lot in winter in South Dakota. <laughs> I would just imagine like a little, um, like, you know, in L.A., you see those pictures of, like, taco trucks lined up down the street or something like that. I just imagine that in South Dakota in a in a Walmart parking lot that's got drifts of snow <laughs> about five feet, and they're all trying to get out at the same time. Dude, five feet? Like, that's that's an easy day. I mean, okay. Well, I, I don't know. I don't live in there. <laughs> we, uh, we had a wedding this past winter, fall, winter. And the we were in the second story of the hotel, second floor, I guess. And we could look out and the top of like the snow pile was even with the window on the oh second my floor. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I love crazy. cold weather. Said no one ever, but you know. I couldn't even imagine that stuff. I mean, it's so weird what different people have to deal with in different regions of the country when it comes to weather. Because like us down here, what we have like monsoons, heavy rain, a little dust You're, storm now and then. Yeah, good old haboob once yeah, in a while, right? Yeah, little haboob rolls through and we're we're kind of excited about it for an hour and then it goes and then we forget about it. I uh, I hate weather here because it's cold in the winter and then it's hot and humid in the summer and I'm not a guy, I'm not the body type to deal with hot and humid. And so, um, gold bonds sponsor me pretty much is what I'm saying. <laughs> gold bond. <laughs> Jesus. So you, you got to try to stop the chafing is what you're saying. A lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of preventative measures into anti-chafing. <laughs> Gosh, dang. is it, uh, now I've only been there a couple times, but is South Dakota as windy as like Wyoming? Uh, this past week has been hell, honestly. Really? Uh, yeah. I I think this is past week is like the windiest it's been since I moved here. Um, you know, we're we're Midwest, upper Great Plains, so it's always, you know, it's windy all the time, but when it's really this windy, it even bugs me. Like, you know, and even even I Joked when I lived in Casper, I said I lived there for two years and the wind didn't blow one day. Um, the yeah. rest of the days I lived there. And, and this reminds me a lot of Casper lately. 
that was one thing that I was told before I even went to Casper. Someone told me, "Hey, watch the wind. Watch yeah. your watch your car door. Watch watch things that are that can get caught in the wind because it, it blows." And that was that that was for sure. I mean, that was one fact that right when I got up to Casper, I was like, "Oh my gosh, the wind!" And yeah, Arizona, we don't have wind. Oh, lucky. Well, we have wind. I, I like that. That sounds a little bit generalized, but not not seventy five miles an hour. Exactly. Winds. We have like unless breezes. You, unless you're in a haboob, but yeah. you know, we've got like breezes down here in Arizona, and in the summertime, you love the wind because that gives you a break from just the suffering dry heat. Yeah. Well, like we talked last week, though. There's days I'd take the dry heat because humidity sucks and i can't even imagine um i had an audit at work yesterday and the guy was from augusta georgia which i'm like man augusta would probably be okay but uh he said it was in the 90s and 70 percent humidity there last week and i was like i'm dying and it's only in the 35 percent humidity you know and yeah I'm like, I couldn't imagine that. That East Coast humidity. Like I mean, it's like what we were saying, like different regions. That East Coast humidity, I I couldn't even imagine dealing with that stuff. It makes me, that just reminded me of that next level camp I did down there. and It was me and Tana and Steph Morris. <laughs> I'd left out of a blizzard. You know, it's October, and I leave out of a blizzard here in Sioux Falls. <laughs> And we get down there, and it's like 50 degrees. Of course, I'm in Florida during a cold front. <clears throat> My luck. But, you know, it's 50 degrees and still nice. And, uh, you know, Steph, Tana, and I are like in our next level polos. And, and Kaylee, she's gotten soft since moving to Arizona. She's got a jacket on. But <laughs> these little Florida kids roll up that morning, and they're all in winter coats and stocking caps. And they're like, aren't you guys cold? And I was like, you know, it's it's forty degrees warmer here than it is where I left. And Gosh, no, dang. I'm not cold. It's beautiful out. That's crazy. That's good. I mean, that's that's one thing that Next Level offers, though, is we kind of get to get out of places that we don't really want to be at certain to- times of the year. <laughs> Retweet. <laughs> Retweet. Retweet. <laughs> that's. I think uh, that last camp I did in Oklahoma, same thing. It snowed a bunch while I was gone. And so, like, I kind of had to dig my car out of a parking spot when I got back. And, it'd be, you know, it had been nice in Oklahoma. But... Oh, gosh. I didn't know that. You had to dig your car out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just because then they plowed it. So, of yeah. course, they plowed the parking lot. So then there's, I think we only had, like, four or five inches maybe. But it adds up. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, well, I guess... We should tell everybody that we know each other. Hey, Merritt. Um, <laughs> hey, 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 Cannon. Uh, Merritt scooter. and I went to a scooter. <laughs> Merritt likes to call me Scooter. That's it's one of the only nicknames I've ever had in my entire life is, is Scooter. And it was oh, given an... to me by a kid in Paxton, Nebraska. That's that's all Cannon's known as in Paxton. No one knows his actual name. But, but with a name like Cannon, do you really need a nickname? I, mean, I I I have thought about this a lot, Merritt, and I'm glad that you brought this up because I think that's the reason why no nicknames have stuck. Because people have tried to like give me nicknames, but I think Canon is a it's a genuinely like unique name, so people are just like ah whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Cannonball. I mean, yeah. Cannonball yeah. underscore eighteen, right? Uh, 
Cannonball underscore 18, you bet. If anyone wants to be Snapchat friends with Cannon, that's his Snapchat name. I think it's actually um, Cannon underscore Ball 18. Oh, sorry. So sorry. follow me. I don't think I've ever put that on my Snapchat. It's or not that cool. My, but on, on the podcast before, I've never put my Twitter handle. So go ahead and follow me. Pedestrian. So Merritt and I met at in the beautiful, the absolutely <laughs> gorgeous metropolis of Casper, Wyoming. You were That's what a I'd call it too. you were a sophomore. I was a freshman. Um, and you guys were the big guys on campus. I was just trying to just trying to impress you guys uh, at all at all times, and got myself into some trouble doing it sometimes. Not with us. Oh, never with you. Yeah, no, I was a good kid. Uh, I, I'd say all of us were good kids for the most part, but. For the I, most part, we'll leave it at that. I don't think you're right. I don't think you're right. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll <laughs> leave it at that. No, we were good. We were good. We like to. Yeah, we like to stay hydrated. Yeah, with right. lots of lattes. You know what? And I remember you guys the first day that I got there. The sophomores kind of uh, offered me some hydration. Um, no pressure involved, no pressure involved at all, but there was, it was implied, it was implied to finish my hydration, um, and sometimes that lead, led to uh, good times, and sometimes that led to me being overhydrated and having to, um, go over to the toilet and throw up. (laughs) I was going to say, I think within the first... 10 minutes of knowing you we were shotgunning beers in the bathroom of our dorm room um, <laughs> i was trying to sneak past that by saying it really nice merit and then you just go and blow it for me i, I had to because you know but no one was easy as peer pressure as lucas stalk up because i mean a homeschooled kid from montana is pretty easy to peer pressure you're right you're right, and the loyal listeners know stolly too so <laughs> you know exactly yeah. who we're talking about <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll get into more stories about Stalk Up later. Oh, of course. Um, so I wanted to talk about this. We're going to jump right into it. Um, Let's do it. Casper. Uh, Casper has a, has about 50,000 people. When I moved to Casper, it was a, a huge difference to me because it was compl- it was a lot smaller. I mean, I grew up with, uh, I mean, Phoenix has 4 million people basically or something like that. The whole state of Wyoming has like <laughs> 500,000 people. It was a huge difference to me. But in your case, it was, it, it had to be like the exact opposite. I mean, you ca- you come from an extremely small town uh, and then you went to a school kind of in a little bigger city. For sure. I also, I didn't realize Casper had that many people in it. I'll be honest. I think, yeah, they're at, when, when we were there, they were at 50,000. I don't know if they've, I mean, it's been like, Five years, something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, I imagine five years. with the oil industry where it's at right now, though, oil and coal in Wyoming, it's probably not. It's probably not growing. I'd guess. I I could be wrong. I'm I'm not a census reporter, but uh, but I got yeah, it, right here. it was. It's, it's fifty seven thousand nine hundred thirty one. I was very wrong. Yep. I guess. Uh, so what do you think grown. it was? I have no clue. Uh, you know, Paxton has its population right under our tail and sign because, you know, 
614 people. It's a little easier to count than <laughs> 7,000. But, uh, you know, Casper, like, it wasn't, it was a pretty easy transition though, because I guess kind of Casper College was kind of its own little thing too, it seemed like. You know, we had, we had so much going on. And not only within Casper College, but in the ag department alone, you know, it was kind of a little close knit community, it seemed like. And, and Casper, like I said, did not feel like there was 57,000 people in it. Um, yeah, you know, kind of, it felt, felt home- like a small, it, yeah, it, it did. Was it, felt like a, it was small still, yeah. but it was still, you know, it had all of your nice, nice amenities of having a small city right there. And, Kidoba and drive through liquor stores <laughs> being one of them. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Casper felt it, it's got a good feel about it. And I know people, if people are listening in Wyoming, they're probably like, oh, no, we, I don't like Casper, blah, blah, blah. But like, it was a good town. It's a good little quaint little town. You're right. It has all the amenities you need. Um, and I, I, I mean, I guess it would be a pretty good transition for you because you're yeah. uh, the, the ag community at the college was, I mean, we are so close knit. It, it was almost like having a little community or a little town right there. For sure. And I guess I'd say another part of my transition that made it a little bit easier is Emily Hazenhauer, you know, was on that sophomore team my oh, freshman oh. year. Yeah. Shout out Hayes. Congrats on getting married. I guess, uh, yeah, Emily Wiseman now, but, uh, um, yeah, she grew up, we played, you know, her town played my town in sports. We always beat them. Uh, take that Emily. But yeah, we were, you know, we always, we were in the same conference. We were in the same districts for band, choir, you know, all the musical kind of stuff. So I knew, I knew Emily pretty well. And then I got to know, got to know her friends and, and Bailey Skinner was, not a poor influence on me at all. Um, and so, yeah, moving in with sophomores and I hung out with those guys a lot my freshman year, that made that transition that much easier, I think. For sure. Now, you you referred to it back uh, a little earlier, but you grew up in Paxton, Nebraska, which if you haven't heard of that, listeners, it's okay. No one else has. It's got... <laughs> it's got <laughs> okay, you're not wrong. It's got... What'd you say? Six hundred and fourteen people in it. Yeah, it's probably grown a little bit since I moved, but so six hundred and fifteen you know. sounds good. S- uh, Sixteen. Well, because yeah. your mom moved away, so that counts. <laughs> yeah. that takes away oh, you. Yeah, that, that takes away her and Darby as counted yeah, in the, so in the town. Back to six hundred and fourteen. <laughs> what did you guys do? I mean, I think I've I've asked you this <laughs> multiple times, and I I mean, you were gracious enough my freshman year to take me home with you for Thanksgiving when I didn't really want to go home or didn't really see the need to go home. Oh my gosh. It was a blast. It was Um, (laughs) so fun. You know, we drove around a lot. (laughs) Um, Shot some raccoons. Oh yeah. We, we, we'd road hunt here and there. Well, I can't say that. (laughs) That is a felony. Not in South Dakota. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, But we were in Nebraska when we were doing it. Well, it's not a felony if you don't get caught. Okay. uh, Okay. Yeah, we'd road hunt a lot, drive around. We'd go to Ogallala. That's probably the closest big town, and drive around there. <laughs> uh, you know, I it it bothers me. I talk to my wife. I'm like, oh, did you know kids from you know 
20, 30 miles away? And she's like, no. I'm like, we drive an hour and a half to go see our friends from other towns, you know, like, um, that's what we did. We played a, played a pretty fun game called Fugitive. You had to run across our town, which is a mile, but it's, you know, and then there'd be people driving around. Um, oh, that's a good game. Okay. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. So I played Fugitive, uh, before in Gilbert, Arizona, when we would square off a certain like housing development and play it in there but no we did it with our town <laughs> you did it with your whole town yeah pretty much that's crazy if you haven't yeah. played fugitive that's where you just a lot of people are just out you have to get to one side to the other without getting caught and there's like three cars driving around or one car driving around it depended on how many people were there that night you know some nights it'd get pretty crazy we'd have you know kids from Oglehall would show up there sometimes there'd be you know 40 50 kids playing so you'd have a few more cars then but yeah it was it was fun i mean what did the adults what, think that's what we this? did what, where, where were the adults of the town while you guys were just running around <laughs> or across their yards <laughs> you know some got mad um others were like well at least they're kind of behaving so yeah at least it to the people that are mad, at least you guys aren't just in a crack house in your little town just sticking <laughs> to yourself. I mean, if, to those people that are getting mad that some kids are playing a, a game together, come on. Yeah, it, there could have been a lot worse things going on. Could have been so. a lot worse. It's, it, I mean, you're getting diversity in there, town diversity. <laughs> oh, you're getting, yeah. You're getting kids from exercise. other schools in here. Exercise. exercise. <laughs> we all need yeah. that. No, it was it was fun. I I mean, if I went home and I heard there was a fugitive game going on, I I might go play with them, honestly. <laughs> you think you would? I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to run very fast, but you <laughs> Would know, you still be I, in the loop? Do you know do you still know some high school kids there? Um, yes. That's a, that's and a no. trick question. Please say no. Um, yes and no. Okay. Uh like the kids that are graduating or just graduated, I guess, and maybe graduating next year. Like I coached them in T-ball when I was younger, you know. So I still know some of those kids. You know, there's kids that um, I can't say there's any siblings of kids that I graduate with, but like kids that my brother graduated with, their siblings are still in school. So okay. I still know some, but not like well, you know. I haven't been home, you know, I haven't lived home in, man, seven years. It's weird to think about. When you go into Paxton, do you bring up your Yik Yak app and, and see what's going on? Dude, I wish Yik Yak was still a thing. Is that what I it's called? Yik Yak. Yeah, there is a Yik Yak. Yeah, there is an app called Yik Yak. I haven't been on that in so long. Is that is that app still, like, live? No, I'm pretty sure it got, like, closed down, whatever. I don't know. When I was at home last, um, I was helping my brother brand, brand calves, and uh, one of the sheriff deputies came and helped us as well. And he was like, "Yeah, we used to bust so many parties <laughs> off a of yik yak. They'd post the address on there, and I don't know if a deputy had it as well, and would just, you know, see where the parties was, and they'd go bust them." Damn, yeah. that's actually kind of smart. <laughs> Yeah, so be careful what you post on Snapchat, on social media, kids. Yeah, yik yak. That's the bad thing is 
the kids the age group we're talking about right now probably doesn't even know what yik yak is i don't know if they would dude i really don't know if they would know what yik yak is so yik yak was a i actually just looked it up it is discontinued but it was an app where you just went on and wherever you logged into the app it put you in a little chat room with people in like a five mile radius five to ten mile radius and it was an it was just an anonymous chat so you could just send whatever you wanted and could you vote up and down on them or i think i think so i'm trying to i'm trying I can't to think. remember i i can't either i i remember the like when you went to the app it was a like a mint green screen yeah with a with a cartoon yak in the middle of it yeah exactly yeah it was it was funny stuff i mean I definitely used it when we were in Casper. <laughs> For sure. It was a good time in Casper. I mean, we had other college kids to mess around with on it too. For sure. Um, For sure. So you, but you, Paxton, you guys had to like team up with another school for your ag program, right? Yeah. So, and time out. I want to say one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. No one knows where Paxton is until you say Oli's which is a bar slash restaurant in my hometown that has mounts from all over the world in it. Like Oli himself was a big game hunter. So there's an elephant, a giraffe, there's multiple elk, um, you know, a buffalo. There a polar bear. Yeah. And then the polar bear is yeah. kind of the attraction. So everyone says, wait, wait, is that the town with the polar bear in the bar? And I say, yeah. So no Oli, one knows where out. Paxton is, but they've been there. So shout out Oli's. Yeah, shout out Oli's. We went there for Thanksgiving dinner that time. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we literally, we literally went there for Thanksgiving dinner when Dude, when we went home with you. Thanksgiving, Easter. Very excellent staff. One of my one of my good buddies' family. Uh, they own Oli's now, and so yeah, it's pretty much a family <laughs> family place to dine, but. No, but so back to the FFA. And so my uh, Paxton had had a chapter back in the 70s and 80s, I believe. And then for some reason, they discontinued it. Um, so when I was getting into, I was in middle school and I was, you know, really wanted to be involved in FFA, but we didn't have it. So I decided I was going to run for student council and my my running platform was, well, we're going to get an FFA chapter. And I didn't get on student council. But Mr. Dak, who's a great family friend still, and I still call him Mr. Dak, even though I've graduated seven years ago. But, um, you know, Mr. Dak, Mrs. Chitton, and the, the school decide, hey, maybe maybe it is a good idea that we get an ag program going. Um, one of my very best friends in high school, his name's Carrick. Um, he was my grade as well and him and his brother were interested in ag and, um, so yeah, the school board and the, um, staff at the school decided, yeah, let's get an FFA program. So but, you're saying you, you kind of pushed the, uh, envelope into them getting an ag program. Are you taking credit for it right now? Breaking I'm news. not saying that's the only thing, but I'll pat myself on the back. Breaking news. Breaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so excuse me barbecue burp but uh so yeah we decided they decided let's well let's get an ag ffa program going and but in in good sense um i'd say they were said 
they, you know, they said, well, we want to be careful. We don't know how much interest we'll have. So they didn't want to get a teacher just for, you know, just for us and then have it kind of flop kind of deal. So we teamed up with um, two other schools close to us. Sutherland um, is the next town over and then Maywood um, actually as well, which is a town south of North Platte, Nebraska. And our teacher was actually in Hayes Center. So we did it distance learning. Um, we met, you know, three days a week. Um, we'd be on the camera like on the camera and on the TV screen. And then um, the other days, I guess two days a week, we'd be that way. And then the other three days, um, our teacher would actually be in one of our classrooms with us students. So it was challenging. Yeah, that's um, has to know. be a, that has to be kind of a crazy way to learn kind of half virtually half in, in class. Very much so. And, and now, you know, these seniors that just graduated, these kids in high school right now are like, oh, no, it's really easy. But, you know, it was it was a learning curve. Definitely. Uh, it was hard. To, you know, it was hard to practice for FFA events, you know, because you you only had an in, in-person time once a week. And so and, you know, then for like livestock judging, stuff like that, we'd meet, you know, we'd meet on a Saturday if we could and, and practice and do that kind of stuff. But, it was definitely an experience, and then I think we did that for two years, maybe three, and then I believe it was my senior year. Paxton decided, well, we we've got enough, we've got enough interest in enough people in our you know in our portion alone that we went ahead and got our own chapter. So that's awesome, actually. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you can trace it back to where. Um, I mean, you're the reason Paxton, Nebraska has an FFA chapter, so... I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. Um, I think you should go down in the Hall of Fame of Nebraska FFA. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, for sure the Paxton FFA, but... <laughs> Do you ever have any ambitions of, like, running for state office? I did. Um, so, like I said, my one of my best friends in high school, him and I both actually were interested in running. Um we Nebraska, you can only have one candidate from each school, which I think they've maybe changed that rule now. Don't mark my words. Um, but yeah, our senior year, you know, we both talked about possibly running for state um, office. And it was a decision that, you know, it was probably the first real big decision I had to make in my life is if I wanted to run for state FFA office or I wanted to go the judging route and go to Casper and and I talked to Carrick a lot, obviously, and I think he would have been a great um, state officer, honestly. Um, and I decided I was going to go judge instead. Um, it maybe was a little bit swayed. I was talking to <laughs> talking to Burkett in the yards in Denver, and I was like, man, I want to do this all the time. So uh, I decided I was going to go judge. I called Carrick, and I was like, hey, I want you to run for state office. You know, we didn't want to run against each other kind of thing, too. Um if if it came down to it, we would have. But yeah, I decided I was like, you know, I'm just gonna gonna go to college and do that do that route. So I think, <clears throat> I mean, everyone looks back at their life and kind of wonders if they might made the right decisions. But I think I think you did. I mean, um, for sure. I think I had some aspirations of being a state officer, and obviously they were thrown out the window when I got an offer to go to 
uh, junior college to judge. I mean, they really, they literally just got thrown out the window. And I, <laughs> I, I mean, some maybe like I didn't prioritize it high as high as I should, because there's a lot of people out there that get a lot of really good things of, out of being a state officer. I mean, one of my buddies, Bryce Clough, he was a national officer. He, I mean, he went to the school that I should have went to in high school, um, or the one that I, the the one that was in my district. I went to a school out of district, and he went to the one that I should have gone to, but. Just a so kid, what school would that be? A kid from Queen Creek, Arizona. It was East it, from it, it Queen, was Queen Creek High School. Yeah. Okay. So I, I know my, you know, getting to know you guys and Kaylee and Shane. I've gotten to know know my Phoenix suburbs now. I guess so. I guess you have actually. Yeah. So Queen Creek is on like the outskirts of like the the southern outskirts of Phoenix. Okay. Nice. It's, and then Gilbert's kind of the west, right? Uh, Gilbert is a little bit. Um, like further north of Queen Creek. Further north, okay. Yeah, it's it's towards the center of Phoenix, but still kind of in the suburbs, basically. Makes sense. Phoenix is Phoenix is a hard city to explain for me because it's just so massive, and every city you go to, every every like town or city within Phoenix, it's not like you have to go five minutes in between cities or go two minutes in between cities. It's literally like you pass a traffic light and you're in the next city and the cities are huge. So yeah, it's, fair it's, enough. it's very hard to explain Phoenix to people. That's why whenever, when you hear somebody say, Oh, I'm from Arizona. Oh, what part? And they just say Phoenix. That's, Phoenix. They yeah, don't want to explain it. That's exactly why people just say Phoenix. And then they're like, and then somebody like you is like, Oh, I know somebody from Phoenix. I know my stuff. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. The first time, so my grandma Allie is one of the coolest grandmas on earth. I'll fight you. Shout out. No, I agree. But, I agree. But uh, the first time I told Graham, like my grandma Allie, I was talking to her one night when we were in junior, you know, your freshman year. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a kid on the freshman team from uh, from Arizona and I was like, we've been hanging out with him a lot. Like, we really like him. And she's like, oh, where's he from? We have friends in Gilbert. And I was like, I think I asked you, I was like, are you from Gilbert, Arizona? And you're like, yeah, how did you know that? <laughs> I was like, oh, my grandma's got friends there. But yeah. Dude, it's a, it's a, everyone knows somebody that lives in Phoenix. It's true. It's huge. Especially like moving up here. There are so many snowbirds. And it's like. I talked to Maggie. I'm like, hey, you know, there's a house on like the next block over from us. I'm like, does anyone live there? And she's like, oh, no, they're snowbirds. She's like, they're gone from October to May. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, even now I know a lot more people in Phoenix. Yeah. During, you, the, you have, during their winter neighbors. months anyway. Yeah. It's crazy how many people migrate down here into Florida during this, yeah. during like the winter time. It's it's, I, I don't I, blame them. I would love to see a map of like the migration patterns of Canadians and northern, like, um, like the people that live in the northern states. I would love to see like a mi- migration path sometime. It, so it'd be interesting. I was reading a deal the other day, like, why you, you know, I don't know about Phoenix, but it was in Florida and they were talking, it, it was talking about fast food chains and, you know, like, there's a ton of Culver's in Florida and Culver's is a hardcore Midwest thing, but there's literally so many Midwesterners that were craving Culver's while they were 
being snowbirds that they just started franchising Culver's. Yeah, exactly. Culver's is a huge um, advocate for FFA and 4-H. Darn right they are. Good old Wisconsin. Shout out Culver's. Oh, God. It sounds so good right now. It actually does. Cheese curds, dude. (laughs) Cheese curds and milkshake. Our our minds immediately go to cheese curds and a milkshake. Look how healthy we are. I mean, because they're incredible what's that swiss melt that they have too oh Oh, i don't know about that pork tenderloin sandwich Mm. oh that actually sounds pretty fire that's that's my go-to okay let's stop talking about this i'm i'm actually i'm literally about to i'm texting my girlfriend right now i told her that i would text her halfway through this to um order takeout buffalo wild wings so ooh, that does sound good too i'm literally texting her right now shout out faith shout out faith I haven't met you yet, but I'm looking forward to it sometime. You'll meet her soon enough. Um, there'll be a wedding in the near future or something <laughs> where we all get together. Oh, speaking of weddings, if any listeners are engaged or getting married soon, uh, look up Maggie Mae Images. Check her out. She's pretty cool. Um, so cool I married her, actually. But my wife's a pretty bomb photographer. I'm actually looking at a canvas of a cow-calf pair she took. So. Yeah, wow. that and that is um, Maggie May Images. Give that shout out, yeah, yeah. Maggie May Images is the official photographer of the show with Cannon Brown. Uh, so oh. I hereby oh. endorse. I hereby endorse Maggie May Images. She's got. She has incredible work. I mean, your wife is an incredible, incredible photographer. I can't wait until. Agreed. I can't wait until um, I have something to use her for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, this, I, I just have nothing. <laughs> is is this wedding that you're just talking about yours or a friend's okay, wedding? Okay, chill out. No, that's what, I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out. Not mine. Oh, lame. Um, I don't think there will be any wedding bells in the near future. So You'd be surprised. I would be. I was surprised with you. Weddings oh, come you? on quick. Well, I guess I really wasn't surprised with you. Why would why would I be surprised? <laughs> I I was I was kind of wondering where you were going with that. So well, I get, yeah, I wasn't surprised when you guys got married, but there were some underlying. Uh, you you guys had been together for a long time. I mean, it was it was kind for of sure. it was kind of known that you guys were going to get married at some point. For sure. And Nora, it helps, it helps that we had a cool little two year old. Yeah, it helps that you had a kid so. too. To push you into it. For sure. Um, no, she's the coolest though. Yeah. No, shout out Maggie. Um, that that was a that was a hardcore plug. Hardcore. Um, never be on my podcast ever again for that because you didn't ask my permission. But yeah, sure. Sue me. <laughs> Sue me. No, Maggie's Mag- Maggie's incredible, so um, go check her Facebook and, and all that out. Maggie May Images. Um you played basketball in high school, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> How's that transition? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I did. I did play basketball. Uh, this is an important part sport, of your life, Merritt. We need yeah, to talk you're, about you're it. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I knew this is where you were going with this when you brought basketball up. But yeah, I uh, I played basketball till I was a sophomore. Um, I was not a great basketball player, <laughs> but I, you know, I was I was okay. I was. Oh, I started JV and played some varsity as well. So, um, and we, we had good ball teams always, um, growing up. I, I grew up with a really athletic group of kids and, um, 
so yeah, I played basketball until I was a sophomore and might have played longer, but uh, I guess I guess maybe this is my first. That was my first big decision in life, but I'm I'm guessing this is the story you want me to tell. But uh, I had the opportunity to show some calves at Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic and uh, in Denver that year, and and I guess kind of going back to my background, I'd grown up showing hogs. We'd shown some sheep as well, but I always wanted to show cattle. And uh, so the opportunity kind of came up before basketball season. You know, I was going to be able to show at a couple of those winter bigger shows. And uh, so going in, going in before the season started, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make it known to my coach that, Hey, I was going to be gone this day. And, you know, these few days for in February or in January for National Western and these few days in February for Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic. And, uh, you know, and I wanted to get his take on that and uh, see how how it affect my playing time, I guess. And and, you know, I'd be there throughout for everything else, but I was just going to be on those DAs. And I think I probably would have missed four or five games in that time period and and so I went in to my coach and I said hey you know I'll be gone but is it gonna affect my playing time and he said absolutely and I said okay well then I'm I'm just not gonna go out and and I was still at every game you know my my brother and my cousin were both still on the team and small town you go and support your friends and and I guess my dad coached uh helped coach the girls team so I'd jump in with my uncle after school and my grandparents and we still went to every every basketball game that year except for the ones that I was at cattle shows. But yeah, it was a it was a decision that came down and and I I chose agriculture, I chose livestock and I guess the same could kinda of be said for um my baseball career too. So um Nebraska well, small town Nebraska, we didn't have high school teams. We just had Legion Ball and so it was be gone, you know, four or five nights a week or show livestock. So ultimately I chose livestock and can't regret that decision at all. I didn't even, uh, I wasn't even fishing for that story, to be honest oh. with you. But <laughs> you thank you. Know, you want to know my stats? I want uh, yeah, I, I was going to look <laughs> up your what max preps. My for, max preps? <laughs> your max preps um, for Paxton <laughs> High School. <laughs> Okay, so next time next time you're in Paxton with me, uh I'm sure we'll find find my old basketball coach downtown. Uh that's that's the group of guys my brother now hangs out with is is all the coaches kind of. And, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's a good time though. I love going home and bullshitting with those guys. But um my basketball coach will tell you he I am the only person he's seen have not one but two blocks flat footed. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Oh my we were playing gosh. Not, we were playing a not very good school. I guess not. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm not that tall. Even, yeah, but so. I, I mean, I've seen you play. Here's the deal, Mara. Is you always say, "Oh, I'm not very athletic, but I'm a bigger guy." You are athletic. Like if it comes down to it, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna show up to play. I remember like those little pickup games at the ranch at Casper. Where we I'm maybe a little competitive too. You're very competitive, and that's—I mean—that's yeah. why we're all here right now. Is that we're competitive, and sometimes you're competitive in other things, and sometimes you're not. But 
basketball was always one thing that you were always like really into whenever we play like pickup games. I was not as into it as one well, other person. Derek, yeah, Maybe Derek's the worst. <laughs> Derek, Derek and Burkett, I was not as into it as those two. Derek Adams, shout out, and uh, but, Jerry Burkett, uh, they, they went to town. It was like, we joked that it was LeBron versus Jordan when those two would be playing each other. And, it's, and they, yeah, they were definitely taking it way more serious than everyone else. But, you know, I was still going to make sure I was making plays to help my team win, so. For sure. Is your um you think your sister's better than you at basketball? Uh no. Wasn't she like a killer? Wasn't no. Barbie like really good in girls basketball? <laughs> no. I, don't I thought think she so. was good. Wasn't her team good? No, they were not good. Red's oh. uh Red Red is definitely the basketball player of the family. Okay. Um You know, a uh, a school close to us said Rhett was the Rhett was the biggest threat to Paxton's basketball team at the time and not because not because he wasn't the shooter he wasn't the scorer but Rhett's basketball sense was really good and and we we ran a hardcore fast break that's what we did you know well <laughs> the fastest kids played the wing well those are normally your point guards too right yeah and then there's two bit there's two kids that were bigger than Rhett so it's like Okay, what do we do with him? Well, ended up being a good passer. So, and then he's a big kid too. So, oh yeah, Rhett's good. Yeah, he's a big kid. Yeah. So they said, you know, do you do you pull out a big guy to cover him, or do you pull out someone fast? And then, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So Rhett was the basketball threat of the family. Well, yeah. Shout out, uh, shout out, Rhett and Darby, your younger yeah, siblings. They're pretty they're cool. Great. I have to imagine, and we we might get a little deep here. But I have to imagine that like basketball was like you you loved basketball because your dad loved basketball, right? I mean, your dad was pretty involved in the girls program. I have to imagine it was it, it kind of like went hand in hand. Um, I wouldn't say so much basketball. I'd just say my dad was so involved in my siblings and I. Like my dad coached every sport he could. He oh, coached okay. T ball. He coached Rhett and I in T ball. Um. Pony was our next league for baseball. Um, he coached us for that. He coached Derby and softball. Um, you know, he, he'd help with football. He wasn't so much a coach, but he was always, you know, he was always, he'd come to practice a couple times a week during junior high, which small town, Western Nebraska was actually our PE period was our football practice. But, uh, you know, he'd, he'd come in there a couple times a week and then, yeah, he ended up coaching the girls team and, um, he was just so involved in us and, and even the community too. So that's probably why it was a little bit tougher of a decision and, in you know, small town, like, like I said, I'm still friends with all the basketball coaches. So that decision to quit was a little bit tough because yeah, we are all still friends in the end of it. And I guess maybe I thought that'd be, be, uh, a problem, but no, those guys don't care. Actually, one of them texted me this this winter when they were at a basketball headed to a basketball game, sent me a picture of one of the gyms and said, "LOL, remember, you know, remember this." And I, yeah. it just it made me laugh and crack up. But yeah, no, my dad was super involved in in us. I'd say, and just you know, whatever we did, he was there to support us a hundred and ten percent. Whether it be you know. 
he didn't like the showing thing as much as my mom did, but he, he'd be there watching us whenever he could. And, you know, if he wasn't at a high school rodeo with my brother, Rhett, uh, he was there watching Darby and I show. So. Well, because your dad had a history in like rodeo and ranching, right? Yeah, dude. My dad was a my dad was a badass gaffer over. Yeah, didn't um, he go to like? Didn't he go around the world in rope? Yeah. So Omaha, my dad, my dad college rodeoed at Nebraska and uh, won a Nebraska, a couple of Nebraska state um, rodeo association championships. But uh, so Omaha has a sister city in Japan, and they wanted that sister city wanted to have a rodeo pretty much. And I'm not sure on this detail exactly, but they, I don't know, someone in Omaha reached out to the University of Nebraska and was like, hey, can we send your rodeo team to um, to Japan for like two weeks to put on rodeos? And they wa- I want to say they wanted to do it like late, early fall or late spring, you know, something that kids were going to be in school. So the rodeo coach said, no, I'm not going to send, you know, I'm not going to send students, but I'll send like an alumni team. And so it was, um, the old my boys. mom and dad, <laughs> yeah, my mom, well, they weren't old at that time, but you know, they were college grads yeah. um, before I was born. And so it was my, my parents, my uncle, um, Paul and Dev Cleveland, who are great family friends, uh, Von Savota. Oh, I'm, I'm. If anyone ever listens to this, I'm going to get criticized for not remembering everyone that went. But yeah, they went to they went to Japan for two weeks um, and put on rodeos. And my mom my mom talks about it to this day. My my dad still talked about it. You know, uh, just recently someone was posting the picture, like a bunch of their pictures from the trip. I yeah, and, I saw those. That's where I got that. Um... When I said he traveled around the world, that's where I saw it from was that picture yeah. of him in Japan. And that picture just looks so cool where they're just, I think he's in front of a sign on a horse and it's all in Japanese or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, so Paul, Paul was a bulldogger and, uh, one of my favorite Japan stories was they had pulled Hereford cattle for their roping cattle. And so they're like, well, they found like, I don't know what happened, but they found, like tie on horns for these cattle. No. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul goes to throw this steer in the bulldog in and like rips, rips the horns that they'd tied on, rips them off. And the people, the people just went crazy. They're like, Oh my God. Like, did this guy just look at this brute strength? (laughs) Did they just kill this cow? They thought they ripped the horns off of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't know, you know, they didn't know. Yeah, they don't had know. Never seen a rodeo, but yeah, yeah, that is one of my that and uh they had a they had a horse that they called Cadillac. Um and, and the horses had to do everything. So, you know, they might bulldog on a horse that then might turn around and be a pickup horse that yeah. then might turn around and be a barrel horse. They had, they were very limited, but that Cadillac um with going you know they shipped them over and so they had to be quarantined and i guess cadillac was a little nasty and uh would literally lunge out of his stall and try to bite people as they walked oh by. my gosh he did so not want japanese to be in japan all, yeah the japanese all called him danger horse <laughs> danger horse 
danger horse. I like that actually. That's a cool name for a horse. For sure. I yeah, I think that'd be an awesome you know, that would have been an awesome opportunity to say, you know, to get an all expenses paid trip to go and do what you love and yeah, that's what my parents and uncle and a bunch of other friends fresh out of college got to do. So That's a, I mean, that's a once in a lifetime experience that they got. That's, that's a, I mean, Japan has been so secluded for so long. It's for sure. It's pretty incredible that they got in there in like the eighties or whenever it was, it had to be the, 80s, I, I want right? to say, say it was early nineties. I think early nineties. I want, I don't mark my words on that again, but I, I think it was early nineties because yeah. Dad, dad tells another story that I won't go into, but uh, um, the the riots in L.A. from the early '90s were going on while they were there. Okay, yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. Shout out, um, shout out, Billy O. Oh, Billy O. Miss um, him. Yeah, and I, I, we don't have to get too deep into this, um, but I wanted to bring it up because I mean I feel like it's a large part of your life, but. For sure, for uh, sure. I mean, a couple of years ago, your your father passed away. Yep. Um, yeah, dad passed away unexpectedly. Uh, man, it's, Darby reminded me it was four years ago. Um, four years. May twentieth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it does not seem like it's been it, that. That's why I said a couple of years. I thought it was like two years ago. I, I didn't. I didn't realize it was four. You know, I. I. It was that week was all kind of a blur. So I, I'll be honest, I didn't know what day it was yeah. or anything, you know. And uh, yeah, I didn't even realize it'd been four years ago until Darby. Darby told me that that day. She says, "Man, can you believe it's been four years?" And and I, I got to thinking back, and I was like, "Holy cow!" You know, it, it has been four years. So yeah, well, and. The reason why I wanted to bring this up is because you're in a position that not a lot of people have been in. Certainly not me. I mean, I've knock. I'm knocking on wood right now, but um, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't laugh. No, you're no, good. you're good. I, I I've been I've been fairly lucky uh, with my oh, family dude. members in my life, and I, I I haven't even I haven't experienced anything like that. And I I just I wanted to get your impression on. I mean, it had I I and we don't have to get into it too deep. I, you can see how I'm tiptoeing around this topic. I don't want to like bring you into a place that you want to, you don't want to go, but it, it no, had to just be super good. difficult. Oh, for sure. And I mean, there's days now that are super difficult that I'm like, man, I'd, I'd like to call dad and tell him that, or, you know, ask him in his opinion on this or, you know, and, and it's, it's tough. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, like Rhett, Rhett moved in with my dad's house. And so when I went home and visited last, like, it was weird. It was weird to, you know, and, and I lived there growing up too, but, you know, I, I've been gone for seven years and last time I'd stayed there was, you know, staying with my dad. Yeah. Didn't think much of it. And so it, it's been, it's been tough. Um, you know, it's, but in, in true words too, you know, what doesn't, you know, I'm stronger because of it as yeah. well. Um, my You're about to pull a Kelly Clarkson song out right now. I thought about it too. <laughs> I thought about it too, but then it's like, wait, those lyrics don't quite work. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't do it. Um, maybe maybe a John Bauman song. You know, John Bauman's got a song called "Old Self Church." That's if you if you want to cry, if you lost a parent, you want to cry, go listen to that song. What's but, it uh, called? "Old Church" by John Bauman. Old Church. 
Old Stone Church. Old Stone Church. Yep. Look it up. Good yeah. one. Yeah, for sure. But no, uh, you know, my siblings, myself, and my siblings for sure have gone on to do some pretty awesome things um, since since we lost dad. And, you know, we, we know he's with us and yeah, smiling over us and watching over us for sure. Too, I, and I guarantee, I mean, he was so proud of you guys. I mean, the the one time that I met him, he was all he could do was boast about you guys the whole time that that I was that we saw him that one time. Like I, I only met him once, but Billy O, he's he's a figure. He's a figure. He, he in my was mind. Uh, he was a special special man. He was he was incredibly special. For uh, sure, I, I'm happy to have met him. But um, yeah, I just we needed to air that out really quick. <laughs> oh, thank you. I haven't talked about it in a while, so. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a, I, I, I hope that there's, I don't, let me rephrase this. I don't hope that there's somebody listening to this going through what you're going through, but if there is, I want them to know that someone's gotten on the other side. And I mean, and you're still early into this. So, I mean, you might have oh, a mental yeah. breakdown in the future. We'll see, but. Oh, hands down. I will. I'll tell <laughs> you that now. I have, I have plenty. <laughs> I have plenty. I have plenty, but that's you, part of life. Yeah. You've got a kid. You've got a wife. I'm sure you have plenty of mental breakdowns. Yeah, you yeah. you had your plant closed down because of COVID. Oh, I mean, I, I was gonna say we're I, gonna get I've into that too. To you. Yeah, I knew you were going to. I told you I didn't want to. But, <laughs> you know, I I was gonna bring it up. Yeah, I'll say you brought it up before I did. But yeah, COVID has not been easy on anyone. You know, uh, my I work for Smithfield Foods, and um, excuse me. We were uh, lucky slash very unlucky. Um, we were the largest hotspot in America there for a hot minute. Was it really? Yeah. Your plant was? Yeah, my plant was. I didn't know it was your plant. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. dang. Um, and, you know, COVID is a, it's a real thing. It's a serious matter. Um, we were pretty lucky at our plant that we... Um, we kind of got it nipped in the butt as fast as we could. And, um, but yeah, we weren't working for about a month there. And, uh, then another plant in another plant town, probably an hour and a half from us might not even be that far. They, they started having issues with it. And, um, you know, I, I felt for those farmers cause we had a lot of guys that, you know, we had other plants close by that guys could get some hogs too but we we talked to a lot of guys about you know they were they were euthanizing hogs because they they needed to get ready for the next batch coming in and and so it's been a it's been a process the past four months with covid and getting back to trying to get back to normal um at work and yeah then throw in throw in the fact that maggie you know my wife makes her living taking pictures at people's weddings and yeah when uh you have gatherings that throws another wrench into things and yeah then, people are canceling weddings left and right and yeah and I, I feel for those people too i actually talked to uh talked to one of the superintendents up in the plant today and he was supposed to get married i want to say like next week two weeks from now and i asked him I was like you guys get married this summer you know did you postpone it and he's like Oh yeah, we just postponed till next summer. But he's like, 
we talked to some people that venues were jacking their prices up because oh, it was God. And I was like, are you, I, that, that disappoints me in humanity. Like we're in a world pandemic and yeah. you're going to do something like that. So there's always those people that are going to find chaos and try to, oh, try to profit off of it. I mean, look at those when this stuff dropped, there was all like, uh, you saw some celebrities promoting like, $60 face masks and and uh I saw that there was like a supreme first aid kit that was like 120 <laughs> bucks or something like that. Like, like are you kidding me? You're from Phoenix so you're a little more into the supreme. <laughs> well, I think I, I saw am, it on I think, but... I think I saw it on Twitter to be honest with you. Yeah, and it was on the internet so it has to be true. But, exactly. uh... <laughs> okay, you got me. Okay. No, I it, and you know, you and I've talked about this recently too, but I I've deleted the apps anyway. I haven't deleted the my social medias, but man, I'm I was just sick of hearing all all the negative news and um. So I del I deleted most of my social. Did you media really for the time being? Yeah, good for yeah, you. I, I deleted Facebook and Twitter, and I'll still you know I get a email notification from Twitter probably every two weeks. Like check your notifications. So I go in and do, and it's nothing that pertains yeah. to me, but whatever you know it's like this person like this tweet <laughs> yeah exactly covid but, uh, rises I'm, covid cases rise 100 yeah. percent in arizona oh what's new so uh that's actually but, true i think is it really i we're like the, we're the hot spot now you, arizona is right are now. you yeah oh i was i was the hot spot there for a minute but uh yeah it was crazy to say that you know sioux falls is in a big town i want to say it's not even as it's probably the same size as Casper, like we were talking earlier in that fifty thousand ballpark, I think. Yeah. And uh, and then you go into the plant alone, which I think it employs thirty five hundred people, and uh, then you make that the number one hot spot in the country, and yeah, not good, but. We're getting back on our feet. Oh, Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls is a little bit bigger than Casper. I had to look it up. What is it? Uh, Sioux Falls is 181,000. Oh, so, wow. You know, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that big. but Quadruple the size. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not going to say I'm a mathematician, <laughs> so uh, I won't check your math on that. But I'll take your word. I think it's like three times the size. I was probably wrong, but whatever. Again, no mathematician. <laughs> you know. Dude, I actually just took... Um, my math placement test today, I did really well on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, we gotta stop talking about math. God. Okay, yeah, let's not talk. It's let's giving not me talk PTSD about from, no, from we're, college. We're golden. So, you work for Smithfield. I do. Uh, um, what's your title? <laughs> so, my title. I don't know why I laughed at that. Yeah, why do you laugh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my title is animal handling specialist. Uh, so, pretty much, I oversee. The well-being of the hogs from the time they arrive on our property till the time uh, they hit the freezer upstairs. Uh, that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but but it uh, should be. I mean, I, that's basically your job description. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I make sure that truck drivers are getting there in a timely manner, that they're unloading them um, the most humanely way possible, and make sure that our people are handling them humanely um, and then make sure that, you know, that they're rested, that they have their water um, in, the, in the resting process. And then 
I make sure that they're handled again properly in their way to the butina and and make sure that that process goes as smooth as possible and as humanely as possible for the entire time till they hit the cooler pretty much. So. That's a, I mean, that's a huge job to have. There, you guys have a lot of hogs coming in on a daily basis. There's a lot of room for error, so don't. Oh yeah. Were you laughing because sure. you take your job lightly, Merritt? <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because I love it. You love it so much. Yeah. At Smithfield, no, if you're days. listening, give Merritt a promotion. Give me a raise. Yeah. Not even a promotion, just a raise. Just no. more money. That's all we want. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> no, my job is. My job's pretty important. Like, um, my job is important. Yeah. We want to make sure, and in all, I, I mean, I guarantee. 99.8% of the people listening to the podcast are agriculturalists and, and they know and they're probably handling their animals the most humanely way possible, but it's it's our livelihoods that are at stake and we want to make sure we're doing the best job possible that we can. Yeah. And not only, you know, not only for the animals, but then for our product as well. You know, less, for the product, for the farmers, for yeah, for, yeah, for the less, producers, less for stress, less stress makes a better product. Better product makes the producer more money, and it's a better product. You know that anyone that goes and buys a Smithfield loin chop is going to get the best thing that they can. So, so what do we do? Do we break up the monopoly of the uh, meat packing companies, or what do we do, <laughs> Merritt? Let's figure it out right here. <laughs> Uh, I'm I calling them out given, right now. I've given you my take on this as well, haven't I? Uh, when it comes to the hog thing, I <laughs> I tend to lean a little bit more with the packer. Um, when it comes to the beef side of thing, I grew up on a on a cow calf ranch, and you know my father in law feeds cattle. Um, I'd like to maybe eventually feed cattle as well, and break up the beef packers, uh, leave the pork producers alone. <laughs> JBS no. is a monopoly. Their uh, executives are crooked and corrupt. If you think that's a good company, unfollow me, okay? Now, JBS is going to send a Brazilian hitman to Tucson, yeah, Arizona to knock me out. Um, you better be careful. Don't don't you guys? Oh, no, you have Swift stuff, don't you? Yeah, we've got Swift. <laughs> we, yeah, we've got Swift. But JBS has a plant in Phoenix. I mean, if in they Phoenix, have an operative. I didn't realize that till just the other day, actually. Yeah. It's, um, actually, it's a good plant in Phoenix. They, they, our, uh, they push out a lot of stuff. But we use to? we use JBS beef, so it's, oh. I mean, we use Swift pork and then JBS beef. So yeah, yeah you're not gonna have a job now, dude. Uh, sorry. Yeah, whatever. No, I don't care. I, it's you know working in the packing industry. Um, it's made me realize some things. Obviously, like yes, I I do believe that the packing industry is monopolized, but I've also come to realize the workforce that it takes yes. to have a plant. Um, you know, the USDA, uh, part of my job is I deal with the USDA on the daily, multiple times daily, um, having that inspection and, you know, and that's tougher for small plants too, because we unfortunately don't have enough vets. Yep that can go in and inspect smaller plants. Um, you know, everyone says, oh, yeah, you know, break up. You know, the yeah, USDA shouldn't be yeah. have it any say. The government shouldn't have any say in that. But 
in the end, I don't know about you. I, I kind of enjoy that we have the government there to <laughs> to make sure Packers are giving a, a solid, you know, solid piece of meat. You know, one hundred percent. If you read the Jungle, uh, oh, that's a, such a great book. Such yeah, wait, what a great plug. Oh my God! Read it's, the Jungle if you ever want to know. know. Listen to the Jungle. I'd say. Okay, listen it is to a, it. It's listen a pretty dry read, yeah. but I mean, it's a. It is such a. It's an informative I mean, book into these, what was going on. Yeah, we have these rules and regulations yeah. for a reason, and and. I can't say I disagree with, yeah. Well, it's really easy for me to sit here on my high horse and say, oh, they're a monopoly, break them up, blah, 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 blah. But I, I work at a grocery store. So <laughs> what? Like, if they break up the big packers, they have to, we have to literally just deconstruct the, the whole way that we buy our food system. Yeah, the whole yeah. way we buy our food. I mean, because you can't have, you can't break apart the beef um, packers and make it so that they're little, there are small packers everywhere in every town or every city. And then you still have $3 ribeyes at the Walmart down the street, because that's, it's not going to work there. People are going to go to the Walmart and they're going to buy that $3 ribeye when it comes to when people are in just going throughout their daily lives and they're not worried about a meat shortage. They don't care to go down to the Walmart or down to where their prepackaged meat is and just buying that cheap steak. And you know, and, and even look at it now, I, I look at our, you know, our margins that we're operating at right now and everyone says, Oh, the Packers making all this money <laughs> and maybe, maybe in the beef deal, I'd say, <laughs> but, but I think I say these grocery stores or, or someone, someone in the middle is doing pretty well too, because our margins are not great right oh, now. Pork, you know, pork is high grossing in grocery stores. That's one thing that we tell all of our new employees. If you can, if you can't get your beef section filled up, make sure your pork and chicken sections are filled up because that's where For you're sure. going to make your money. For sure. I, I don't know about you. Maggie and I live on pork. Oh, I love pork. <laughs> I do too. You know, I Maggie and I eat pork probably at least three times a week. You know, it's. It's reasonably cost, you know, it costs fair amounts. Um, and it's, it's still a good, good protein source. Now Agreed. don't get me wrong. There's, it's pretty hard to beat a good steak. Agreed. Uh, good ribeye. Did I send you the Snapchat of those ribeyes I made a couple weeks ago? I don't think so. Oh, Maggie's dad, <laughs> oh. Maggie's dad oh. fed out a, a half blood Akushi steer. What's an Akushi? <laughs> I've never even heard it's, of that. So like Heart Brand Beef um, down in Texas, they're Akushi. But it's it's pretty much Red Wagyu from my understanding. Okay. It's, it's another breed of Japanese cattle that okay. marble extremely well. Hmm. But, oh, man, those things, I was cut, I cut them with a spoon. What? <laughs> I I had a, I sent it to Colin Lindorf. Shout out one of my good friends. He Shout sent out. me a snap a couple days before of a, of a big uh, short horn T-bone. Oh gosh, that thing <laughs> and was I, dry and <laughs> it, it looked pretty good. Actually, okay. I will say. But uh, then I sent him. I sent him. <laughs> I sent him that snap, and I had the seasoning already on it. And he's like, "Oh, if it's that good, you'd only need salt and pepper." 
And so I, I sent a snap back of it, me cutting it with a spoon. And I said, yeah, it's still pretty good. Oh, <laughs> my. A spoon. A spoon. Yeah. So shout out. Shout out, Agushi cattle. Shout um, out. Pretty well, good steak. Now that you've gotten me absolutely hungry. Um. No, I I agree with you on the on the pork plants. I think that um, I think for the pork producers, they need pork producers need a, a, a guaranteed place. You know what I mean? And that's what we saw here. I mean, if pork producers don't have a guaranteed place to take their um, to take the their hogs, there's going to be some drastic things that have to come into play. So I think I mean I think you're right on the money. We have to keep the pork uh, plants kind of together and if there's some that some way that we can switch up the beef we probably should man i i just don't know if it'll ever happen i don't know i mean they break they break these they do this every hundred years or something like that it seems like they have to break up these companies and and then they start back again with 15 to 20 companies and then over the years they combine back into one and then we break them apart and I don't know. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. I think You're right. um, you know, I, right. I I'm not not super positive that it'll ever be broke up. Um and and you know, I I have not searched this enough, but there's a reason those guys there's a big four. I mean, yep. They had they had the financial means to keep going and then you know pick up where the little guys left off and yeah i mean you bribe a politician or two in the brazilian government (laughs) and you you, uh, i'm not even getting at that i well i mean i'm just saying the owners of jbs were caught on camera and on oh i know recorder is the one in prison one's in prison one's out yeah one in i think one's in prison and then one just can't go to brazil or else he's He'll also be, in be arrested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I wonder how Brazil prisons are. I've never, you know, not never great. Seen those on world's <laughs> never seen a Brazilian prison on world's toughest prisons. But probably not fantastic though. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I would think. All right, um, Merritt, I have to go to Buffalo Wild Wings because I'm so hungry. <laughs> are you Are you a regular at this Buffalo Wild Wings yet? No, I'm not a regular at this one. Um, oh, like my, my family's a regular at the one in Gilbert. I know. I love Kaylee's story about your family. <laughs> like, She'll like go to dinner with him to Buffalo. Yeah, Kaylee not, will go with your dad. Yeah, they'll. She'll go. She'll text. Uh, um, she'll text my dad and my stepmom Jess, and she she has my sister's number. She'll text. She'll text my sister and be like, <laughs> "Hey, what are you guys doing for dinner tonight?" I, yeah. If anyone doesn't know. Cannon's family is regulars at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, they and when I them say regulars, I mean we've got <laughs> when when they the waitresses the, send them Christmas cards. The waitresses send us Christmas cards. The waitresses used to babysit for my brother and sister <laughs> when they did. You know when the Buffalo Wild Wings did a remodel like to all their stores three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got like we got the old. Um, we got a bunch of old chairs. We got like ten old <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings chairs with the buffalo and the wings on it. We got I benches. I mean, we uh, we were. Well, I mean, they still are pretty regular. I I shouldn't even lump myself into that because, I mean, it wasn't until I, like, 
left basically that I mean, I I was still in high school and they were going there like every night, basically, or like three times a week. <laughs> they literally like when I was in high school, they would go there three times a week. I like Buffalo Wild Wings. Not that much. They're wild. My dad yeah. just likes my dad likes to be the my dad likes to be the cool guy. I mean, I like to be the cool guy. I have to get it from somewhere. He likes to be the the guy, you know, I'd say he is. I mean, I've only ever FaceTimed your dad, but uh your dad was awesome. Your both your parents are awesome. Yeah, they're I mean. they're all they're all incredible people. But um Merritt, uh I mean we could have gone we could have gone even deeper. Dude, we we could easily I just put my phone on the charger, we could easily talk for another two hours. But no one wants to listen to that. We'll we'll have you on for another interview too. We we we'll do a live interview. I was gonna say next time I'm with you I, I'm trying to figure out my vacation schedule right now. Yeah. I'd really like to head down to Phoenix. Yeah, there's you would, a show down there. You this and fall. Maggie you and Maggie come down for come down for Arizona Nationals. We might. Right after we Christmas. Might. We'll see. <laughs> we'll I, see. I don't know yet. I gotta look at I she's got this big road trip planned out in late July, early August for she's got a couple of weddings to shoot. And I think I'm just gonna tag along with her. So we got we got to check my schedule. Perfect. All yeah. right, dude. Well, thanks for uh, kind of taking time out of your night talking with me. I know we've been planning this. I mean, for those of you that don't know, or none of you know, to the listeners, but Merritt was one of the first people that I did a podcast with when I was thinking about doing a podcast. <laughs> I, I, I would still love to listen to that sometime. Honestly. I think I have it. I definitely have it somewhere. I think I was the second person. Yeah, I was, you, I was, a, I was, was a guinea pig. Kaylee yeah. was the first as a guinea pig, and you were the second guinea pig. I just needed to figure out if I could do it or not. For sure, dude. So no, I, I, I appreciate uh, you being my guinea pig. I love loved helping you out as much as I can with this. and um, Obviously, I think you've done great things with it and hope you continue to do great things with it. I've, got, I've been thinking about this. I've got a couple guests I'm going to text you about. Please do. Um, yeah, definitely. I was thinking about it today, actually, and um, I'm still waiting for this video from when we were in Oklahoma. Um, oh gosh, yeah i <laughs> I need to edit that, but it, yeah, we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, dude. Uh, have a good night. We'll get you and Maggie on together. That way, we can kind of promote definitely. her deal too. Definitely. Um, like I said, go everybody. Go follow. Uh, Go follow Maggie May Images. Go follow Merritt O'Connor. Um, well, you'll be on again. Oh, for sure. All right, Merritt. Well, I'll talk to you later. Um, I'll text you after this is done. <laughs> okay. Bye. Love you guys. I love you, Merritt. I'll talk to you later. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully. I hope you guys like that one. Uh, Merritt is a really good friend of mine, so obviously we we kind of got along really well. Uh, the conversation went went swimmingly so i hope you guys enjoyed it and and like i said in in my intro merit merit might not be a a big guy in the industry but he has a story to tell and and i think that uh i think that people can can get something out of it i mean i and that's the point of doing this podcast is is to get these stories in front of you guys get these stories in front of me I need them just as much as everybody else. I, I want to know how these people got to where they are in life. I want to know the hardships or the or the good things that happened to their to them in their life, 
to get to, to get them to this point. I think it's very important that we understand how people operate and work within this industry and how they move throughout this industry. I think it's, I think it's, I just think it's fun to, um, kind of figure out. So hope you guys liked it. I've got more good stuff coming to you. I've got a bonus episode coming tomorrow, bonus episode tomorrow. Check it out. Uh, and that's all I got for you guys this week. I love you. Goodbye.